internal division, polarization, whatever fancy term you want to use, it all comes down to that relentless force thriving on its own hostility. This is proving to be a destructive tornado ripping through the fabric of American politics. At this point in time, we're trapped in a stress-inducing cycle of binary thinking, absolutizing our values, and shunning uncertainty. Both the left and the right have shifted their focus from finding common ground and unifying our values into group identities. The safeguards that once existed with old analog media have vanished. Editing, fact-checking, and professionalization are on life support, leaving institutions in the dust. Now, we indulge in an alternative reality that fits our narratives perfectly. Anyone, anywhere with the click of a button can publish anything, and leaders are scarce. The shift has led to the rise of echo chambers, where we avoid the reality we actually live in, rejecting basic facts and evidence if it doesn't align with our own beliefs. Governance and politics has been reduced to a single existential conflict, oversimplifying the complexities of cross-cutting identities and interests. For instance, while we were busy arguing about masks and vaccinations, the wealth gap kept widening, and the billionaires in the U.S. amassed an additional $1.7 trillion in wealth during that time. This is just one example within the timeline of the American experiment. But the last 50 years, we have to admit, something has happened that we haven't seen in about 100. And it's a concerning reality we find ourselves in where division and wealth inequality persist while we neglect to grapple with the consequences of our own choices. Returning again is one of my favorites, Danny Smith from the Story of Podcast. This is actually the completion of a conversation started a few months ago in which I released the first half of that conversation in an episode called The Past is Present, which is in the show notes. And it does flow nicely together, but this one's more about internal divisions and, and how they're affecting our own history at this point. So, you're going to hear some things like the Fox News Dominion case gets thrown in here. And obviously, that's been settled. So, But I think that's the only thing that's really outdated in this one. But it's really just a tiny part of a bigger framework about a question that was posed. Are our internal divisions going to tear us apart? Is this the most divided we've been since the Civil War? And most importantly, how high will my Jersey property taxes go when I finally retire at like 98 or 99 or whatever? Because that's a big question I need answered. But anyway, enjoy the conversation and definitely check out the story of podcast because those guys are great. And if you like my stuff, I think you'll just like them just as much or more. Just don't say that out loud. All right. Enjoy the show. Watch out. You might get what you're after. to the with jay burke show my name is jason burke and though i'm technically the host of this podcast it's the guests who truly take top billing this is a place for curious minds who enjoy civil and sometimes meandering conversation 
If you appreciate a few laughs and want to come away with new knowledge about subjects that aren't always easy to break down, then you're the person I want listening to this podcast. Today, I get to welcome back Danny Smith from The Story of Podcast. Each week, Danny and his co-hosts and friends embark on a wild journey through some of the most bizarre and intriguing topics out there. From unsolved mysteries to urban legends, from strange historical events, and they even talk about some of the oldest and strangest professions. They're by no means experts in any field, just a couple of guys who love to find weird stories, research the hell out of them, and share them with you. So check out the Story of Podcasts wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Danny, welcome back. What's up, buddy? Thanks for having me back. Oh, man. Of course, man. It's it's always good to have you. You're actually a, a three-timer now on my show. So. I'm glad I'm on that list of reoccurring guests now because you have a lot of reoccurring guests, which is good. I'm glad yeah, I, yeah. I'm able yeah, to get yeah. on there. Yeah, I like it, though, because it, it builds like uh, you get like a rapport with somebody and then it's just it makes it so much easier. And then I always like our discussions because I have no clue where it's no, going. No, man, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I can't wait. Last time we talked about this, you do any ghost hunting recently? No, nothing recently, man. Um, I would love to go out there and to do it again, but with the kid, you know, a two-year-old at home, it's a little difficult. However, uh, there's an Airbnb not too far from me that's supposedly haunted. It's like $79 a night or something, and uh, I'm going to probably uh, I'm gonna go stay there alone and go ghost hunting. Yeah, I'm going to be scared out of my mind, I'm going to be honest with you. I love the idea of doing that. I'm just like, I know I'm, I'm the asshole is going to get a ghost attached to me. Yeah, and that's, that's that's what my wife is very concerned about. <laughs> and uh, and I am breaking the number one rule of ghost hunting, which is never go alone. Mainly because like, if you fall and break your ankles, <laughs> you've well, got nobody to take you to the hospital, right? So, yeah. um, you know, that's the number one rule. But yeah, I think I'm going to I'm going to try. I might my neighbor's son. Well, actually, uh, we did a couple of cemeteries near us. Nothing happened. Nothing came of it. But um, he's he's into it. So maybe we'll we'll go rent the Airbnb and we'll go and uh, go ghost hunt it and see what happens. See yeah. if we can find some some evidence. Yeah. You film it, right? And stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I got the IR camera and all that stuff. And I've got uh, the digital voice recorders and yeah, it's a pretty good equipment. So I got the K2 meter and all that stuff. So it's, it's fun. It's a lot, it's a lot of, a lot of fun. You have the, uh, the box that talks. No, the spirit box. Spirit I want box, the spirit yes. box. Yes, that I want. But I've looked them up, man. They're like 170 bucks. And my wife was like, that. she's like, no, you're <laughs> not getting that. So <laughs> yeah. um, the spirit box is pretty awesome, though. I would love, love to get a spirit box. That would be pretty cool. That's that's my next. Um, I'll save up for yeah. it if I get any teacher of the year bonuses or something. I'll yeah. buy a spirit box, you know. So let me hit you with this one. I've been thinking about this because it's it's kind of related, but a little bit not. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in the South and, uh, I'm in North Carolina. So, you know, I'm in a former Confederate state and we always talk about, you know, we talk about the Civil War and what would have happened if the, the Confederacy would have won. Right. And that could have looked differently. It could have been two states, could have been a final offensive, right? That may have taken over the United States. And people are, you know, like, Oh my God, you know, uh, that would be crazy and slavery. Think about the ramifications though that would have had on World War One and World War Two. Mm. Right. And how, differently this world would look right had the confederacy been around because i wouldn't have you know what i mean like that's something that a lot of people have never heard a historian obviously we don't have a what if machine but the ramifications that that would have had on world war one and world war two would have been insane there's yeah no way we get into world war two we would have been probably fighting a war against them again 
you know like so that's i was thinking what would have happened is we would have split mm-hmm. you know at the mason dixon line or whatever and then we both would have been trying to go west and eventually oh, yeah. we would have been into skirmishes again some kind of war yeah. or you know california might have been its own state like i i remember hearing when california entered the union the reason why they're so huge is because they were like, we'll just make our own country if you don't want us. Well, they they came right. in, yeah, they came in as their own republic, right. and then I believe it was the Compromise of eighteen fifty is what brings mm-hmm. them in as a free state, and then they use popular sovereignty with um, Kansas and Nebraska. Yes, Kansas Nebraska Act, and so yeah, so California did come in as its own republic, and they. They allowed it to come in as a free state, but to allow the other two states to decide whether or not they would, through popular vote, whether or not they would have slavery or not. And that was, there was music to the Confederacy's ears because they were like, well, you're saying there's a chance, you know? <laughs> so yeah. there's a possibility, right? And not just an outright ban on slavery. But, you know, if you ever read the actual plans of the Confederacy, they were going to go down and take over Mexico into South America. I, I, I did read that. It's crazy. Look, maybe they would have done that and been a massive empire. But I mean, they definitely, you know, the outcome of World War One and World War Two, I, I re- truly believe would have been so, so much different had the Confederacy won, you know, and I, I just been pondering that idea. I know that was kind of off subject. Really but I, good question. I just been pondering how crazy that would have been, you know, and how obviously, I mean, obviously, American history would have been different. duh. But world history probably would have been a lot more different. You know, I wonder how many. Cause remember, like the West was just basically getting carved up in the territories, and that's what, yeah. you know a lot of this came up. This has got to be a slave state. Yeah, there was still a lot of territories by the time, but during the Civil War, for I, sure. I wonder if we just would have been almost like Europe at that point, right? I mean, maybe the West would have just had their own could have been states. I mean, yeah, that was the idea, honestly. I mean, states in Europe are countries. Yeah, well, I mean, that was how the United States was under the Articles of Confederation. Yeah, it was 13, 13 small little states. That's how I teach it to my class. It's like, imagine the United States was like Europe. You know, that's how it was designed. You know, it worked very wo- well during the, you know, the American Revolution, but, you know, not for trying to start an economy. Yeah. <laughs> during <laughs> a country that is supposed currency. to be united. Yeah, that didn't work yeah. well, you know? Yeah. But, but it's it, wild it's, stories with that one. I love, I love getting into that time. Uh, yeah, that, that period is crazy. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, um, you know, the, the state of American politics going back on track. You know, you, you had said it a couple of times. It's so we're, we're obviously every day of our lives, we're living through history, but we're living through a momentous time in American history. This is a really critical point mm-hmm. in this country and it's going to make a lot of decisions where we go. And, um, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't want to be pessimistic, but I don't know. You think I don't know where we're heading. Barring the Civil War era, you think this is the most dangerous time? I guess you would be, right? I think internally, sure. You know, I mean, like you could make an, uh, an argument that the 60s was one of the most yeah. dangerous times. You know, Cuban Missile Crisis and all that stuff. And 68 was a ridiculous 68's year. 68's like... You could do an entire podcast just on that year alone. I mean, yeah. you know, that, that 68 was nuts, you know? I mean, but yeah, this is an incredibly... It's just, I think what scares me is just how divided we are, you know, and I know there was a lot of division in the 60s for sure. I mean, obviously, but, you know, we are also internally so much more violent, I feel like now 
than we were, right? I mean, just look at the amount of mass shootings that we have on an almost a daily basis now. It's crossed the line yeah. where it's like you, you can have these political differences and these philosophical differences. But now we're dipping our, our, not even dipping. We're fully weighted into this, this, you know, violence on the public, terrorist acts upon each other. It's insane. You know, it's just, it's scary. It, it really is. It's terrifying, man. Well, that's where that distinction that you brought up in your show with fascism, it made me think about a lot of the things today, especially all the little violence that are perpetuated by these little, you know, crazy groups. Mm-hmm. From all, from all over the spectrum, you know, uh, at least philosophically, politically, however you want to put it. Some are left, some are right, some are just totally hmm. anti-government or whatever. I feel like there's a lot of similarities as far as sometimes I wonder if we just always look at the issue of inequality mm-hmm. and then look at the violence that happens around that if you'll see you know, I, I really haven't looked at the number. I just know that at some point in the 20s and then obviously mm-hmm. in the 30s and stuff, there was a huge issue of the upper classes as a whole still retaining much of their wealth that they had before the Depression or making more. And, and, and in most cases, they didn't suffer from the unemployment that was just so rampant in society. There was an elite few who had all the wealth right and oh yeah it was concentrated yeah. and it's coming at, out of the gilded age for sure right. absolutely and, and we're at that point again obviously we have more of a social safety net than we did back then but still yeah people get angry and they don't necessarily know why they're getting screwed right it's, it's yeah. a big mechanism and there's a lot of moving wheels and a lot of parts and I think it's easy to just point your finger at the other party. I, I will say this, too. I think a big difference is we had the communists back in the 60s that we could look at. And we were yeah, all the together. common enemy. We yes. all had the common enemy. Once, so I know Russia is whatever it is, but they're mm-hmm. not. Look at their military. They're, no, you're absolutely right. Besides nukes, yeah. we could trample them. It would just well, be a joke. Yeah, you had the philosophical as well as, you know, the, the patriotic boogeyman, right? The, the common enemy. You're absolutely right. And that's really, that held the country together. So everybody in the fifties and the sixties, the large, large majority of Americans agreed that they did not like communists, you right. know? And so they would, I mean, Martin Luther King was called a communist, you know, and it was, and that was a way that they can bleed that over, right? And use that same momentum to go after people that were fighting for equal rights. And so, you know, we had that boogeyman up until what, 89, 90. And then, you know, we didn't have that boogeyman anymore for about 10 years or so. And then the boogeyman came back and the boogeyman was the terrorist, the war on terror, right? And we got a new one and everybody united behind that one. And it's like this weird kind of, you know, shady character that's hard to define. It's this undefined type of shape. That's, you know, you you can't point at a country. Russia... Yeah, the boogeyman, you know, you could see the boogeyman. You could go on a map and you could point at it. We knew where it was. The boogeyman had a flag and everything. It was, was, you know, exactly who it was, where it was located, the coordinates to find them, you know, and, and the war on terror changed all of that because it could be your neighbor. It could be this person. But of course, 
the Muslim you know community was absolutely targeted as that as well, right? So they took on the persona of the boogeyman, right? Because the United States government found it was much easier to point out those folks as being those are the ones you got to worry about, you know. And and now after that, the Taliban's gone, and we're not really worrying about that anymore. Now it's you know the boogeyman is is trans people. Now it's trans folks. It's it's moved internal, where it was an external existential threat on the outside has now moved yeah, internal. I think we've moved pointing at each other now. We have this weird I hate the culture war. I think it's all a bunch of bullshit. Hmm. And because I honestly, if you look at like the trans issue, right? I'm not yeah. well versed on it, so I won't get deep into it. Mm-hmm. All I can say is they're acting like in schools and you're a teacher, so I don't know how you <laughs> You probably feel attacked, but in a lot of areas of your life right now, yeah, especially uh, being history teachers, yeah, uh, <laughs> we're towing a line, man. So they're acting like you know kids are getting oh they, they're they're reading these books and stuff like that, and now they're all trans people. I mean, the percentage of trans people in this country hasn't changed in fifty years. Sure. It hasn't. No. It hasn't changed. It's still like one percent, one point five percent, whatever. I mean. I can I guess I can backtrack. Yes, it's a little bit higher, but that's because people are open about it. You know, they feel safer to be out there than they were than in the eighties or something. Yeah, uh, forget for the fifties, sure, yeah. but I mean, even the eighties, the APA, which is the uh, American Psychiatric Association, yep. considered it a disorder. It was gender identity yep. disorder, but it's probably always been that that percentage in reality right so no one's being turned trans now it's basically the same as what i'm trying to say you know you're absolutely right for me i mean i'll say i don't i don't understand it but that doesn't mean anything to me i don't understand my neighbor half the time if they're happy (laughs) if you're a happy person and you don't treat me bad I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, are you, you know, hurt my family? I don't care. I was just having that conversation with my neighbors and, uh, they were like, you know, like, hey, what, what would you do if you had a trans student? And it was like, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm going to treat him like any other student I got. Like, what do you want me to treat him differently? And it's just, it was just a weird question. Like, what was the answer you were looking for? You know, uh, you know, I saw somebody the other day, an argument the other day on, on Twitter and somebody's like, I just don't need to jam down our throats. I don't know where. That is, I don't know where I see that. If if you mean by a trans individual being a spokesman for Bud Light, I don't know if that's shoved down your throat rather than it's opening a door of acceptance to a group of people who exist. Right. Trans people are real. They exist. But the only way it can be shoved down your throat is if you're looking for it. Exactly. You You know know what I mean? Like you could go on Twitter and see something trans and – and get triggered. It. Yeah. And you, if you ignore it, you get triggered. You know, if you're getting triggered, it's because you're allowing something. To get- you know, I, I think the thing that gets me too is a lot of it is um, I haven't seen one individual's right been taken away because yeah. a trans person exists. I haven't seen that. I don't know whose rights have been stopped. I don't know whose rights have been taken from them. I don't know any straight white male that has actually had anything taken from them because a trans person exists. Uh, and just wants to not get, you know, murdered or, or treated badly. I don't understand where, whose rights have been taken away. I don't, I haven't seen that. 
And as you had said, look, man, if you're cool with me, I'm cool with you. Now, there's a ton on trans issues that I don't know. And and I'm, you know what I mean? I try to keep up as well-versed as I can. I've got a lot of students who identify as trans. I've got a lot of students that identify as, as uh, non-binary. Um, and I ask them, well, what, do you, what do you want me to call you? You know, and yeah. if it's a they or a he or a him or a name or whatnot, I got you. Yeah. And I and I tell them, look, if I mess it up, just, just correct me. You know, just be like, Smith, they, I got you. You know, and I have one student in particular, I had two years ago, who went by her name, their name, her name. It was originally her name. And now she identifies as, they identify as by non-binary and goes by a different first name and the pronouns they, them. And I, and I look, I jumbled up because I remember them as her. Yeah, I have a lot of And now it's somebody, that. you know what I mean? And yeah, so I, I got, it's like, I'm trying, I'm spinning plates trying to get it right. And I told, I told them, I said, look, I'm going to get it wrong every once in a while. And it doesn't bother me. Like, I don't understand. Like for me personally, like it just, you know, and I had a lot of teachers, I'm not doing this. All right. Don't, but it's also just the way I see it. It's just a matter of, of respect. If you want a student to feel safe and welcome and respected in your room, then you, you know, like I don't see the problem. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I guess that's the that's the argument I had with my not argument, sorry, the, the the discussion I had with my neighbor, and he was the same thing. I just don't need it to be shoved down my throat. And I said, I, I don't know where you go. I haven't had that. I've had a lot more religious folks show up at my door. <laughs> yeah, that's not me I should that. join their religion. Yeah. You know, I said, that's feels like it gets shoved down my throat a little bit, but I've never had a trans person roll up to my door and be like, you know, and yeah. hand me a trans pamphlet. Like it doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. So. I, I've never, yeah, I, I don't understand. I just think that's like the next, I think in the early two thousands and the mid two thousands, there was this big push against uh, gay people, right? Yes. Or gay marriage. Actually, gay marriage is one of those things that that needle, when it moved, just, jumped like it was like it was so weird like collectively all of a sudden people were like well it doesn't really affect me who gives a shit you know it's like in the 90s it was still back on the no side you know and then well it slowly moved but then once obergefell happened it was you know and it was a large portion of the country yeah i mean i just you're right in the 90s i i remember growing up and it was like there was a push for rights for gay people, but it wasn't. Sure. It wasn't it was mainstream. still like, you know, I used to laugh because I, I grew up with people who would be like, oh, I don't care if if they're gay, just, you know, don't hit on me. And I was like, you know, just because someone's gay doesn't mean they don't have taste. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, 40 I, I, pounds overweight with a crooked yeah. nose doesn't, it's not like exactly, man. Don't, fiend. Don't. <laughs> yeah, you're being very gentle with yourself right now, yeah. I see, right? You're giving yourself a lot of credit. And I, I swear, I just talked about an hour ago, I just had that conversation. And my neighbor's like, yeah, as long as they don't hit on me. And I said, well, first off, <laughs> I love you, but, you know. And second off, I said, I've been hit on by quite a few guys. <laughs> and he was, and he looked at me with, right. like, this disgust. And I said, dude, I was flattered. You, you know what I mean? Like, I was flattered. It was another human being who thought I was attractive. And, you know, look, I'm straight, but thanks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, thanks. That's I appreciate that. It was a feather in my cap. I, I put a little spring in my step that day because I was like, wow, somebody thought I was attractive. You know what I mean? Like, I that, that made my day. You know what I yeah. I said, I, I wasn't filled with hate and rage where now I got to go hurt somebody. Like, that's just insane to me. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. We used to laugh about that, actually, because I had a little bit of, I guess, a gay following. <laughs> but yeah. uh, back in the day. Yeah. So, you know, I used to joke around. I was like, I would have cleaned up. 
cleaned up. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Like my friend and I used to we, we used to joke around in middle school, like, yo, you want to go straight bashing at the school? Let's go. You know, because you never hear that. That yeah. was another thing. It was there was no such thing? The gay community never went straight bashing. You know, and, and it's it's all this violence and stuff is perpetuated by the, the the toxic masculine, you know, white male that just needs to assert his dominance within society and and. You know, and you know, it's interesting. I was looking back and we talk about this in class too. And you know, the whole bathroom issue, right? The bathroom bill and all that stuff that North Carolina had passed. That's nothing new. They did the same thing with gay folks. They did the same thing with integration. Right. Why do you think they had black bathrooms and white bathrooms back in the day? They didn't want the black men to be in a bathroom near white women and white kids because they were afraid, right? Because they had built this idea of this hyper-sexualized, you know, predator of a black man that's just going to go rape everything in sight, which is fucking ludicrous. And so this idea of we've got to protect the bathrooms, that's been going on for decades. That is a – they pulled that out of the the super conservative playbook from decades ago. So when we saw that take place with the bathroom bill with trans, man, that's nothing new. They've been doing – they've been playing that one for a long, long time. They did it with gay men. They did the same thing with black men. You know what I mean? And it's just uh, like you had said, this is the new generation's internal boogeyman. And again, that's where it kind of comes back to what we're talking about. There's, it just doesn't seem like there's the, the external existential threat outside of our borders anymore that everybody can get behind. And now everything is turning in and it's getting kind of, kind of nasty. You know, it's getting, it's getting bad. I wonder how much to the news cycle plays into that it's very mm. different in the 50s and 60s the 50s oh, yeah. you know one television few yep. channels actually more people listen to radio still in the 50s yeah than, absolutely than they watch television yeah the, uh, the fairness doctrine was still around as well where you know you had to give both sides um, right. on, on a radio or, or news program was required essentially to give both sides so that they didn't come off you know, and that got eliminated in the 80s. And, you know, we started with the 24-hour news cycle. And, you know, yeah, absolutely does. I mean, what is, you know, Fox knows exactly what to put on TV to rile up their base. CNN and MSNBC know exactly what to put on there to rile up their base. Right. It's all about ratings. I mean. You see you see these lawsuits. They're suddenly not news organizations anymore. They're yes. entertainment. And Tucker Carlson and all these guys are mm-hmm. entertainers when they get sued. Yes. They're not. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I love it when you said, you know, no one in their right mind would believe everything I say. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was the same thing with the lady with the Dominion case, which she was running around her mouth saying yes. Dominion in South America was doing this. Yes, yes, her Venezuela. Def- yes. Um, her defense, I don't know her name off the top of my head. I'm so far past. There's so much. She's the, the the lawyer, right? The, 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 um, but she said, uh, yeah, her mm-hmm. defense was like, no person, you know, there's that like lawyer speak for like, no person in their right mind would believe me. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Tucker so, used the same defense. That's what Tucker did. Yeah. It's, so, and it worked, yeah. you know, but this new Dominion case though, man, that's going to be, oh, yeah. it's going to be a doozy. You know, the judge is not having a lot of their shit at the uh-huh. moment. The judge is not having it. That's a that's a large lawsuit, man. It's you know Rupert Murdoch is throwing a lot of his uh, his folks under the bus. Yeah, you know but the problem is me and you know that people who watch MSNBC know that people who watch Fox News do not know that that's happening. 
Yeah. And it'd be the same thing if it was MSN, right? I mean, they wouldn't tell their audience that, you know, why would they? It would make, it would would not help their bottom line. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're smear. We're, we're basically just making it up as we go. You know, they're not going to say that. So it's, it, that echo chamber again is, is scary. Um, and Fox has 24 hours to pump into your mind that they're getting assaulted because this radical left agenda yeah. is against them trying to put them out of business. And and they are, if, if I'm not mistaken, they're the highest rated oh, yeah. news channel uh, right now. And and so their viewership is massive. My so, mother used to watch that all the time. Just trying to <laughs> get crazy. It's a journey. Uh, insane. When they, they lived in Delaware, my parents, uh, my mm. mother passed away a few years ago, but Oh my God. Um, but you know, it's funny. I could see she was, uh, like she was a, a Democrat up until Reagan. Uh, mm. same thing. You know, my father had, had changed over, which, you know, I look a, back. A lot of people did. Well, so uh, I, I've been doing a series called the debt sentence, which is about student loans, how mm. it started and, and it became a monster for me. It was really just supposed to be like this thing. So I had part one and then yeah. part two focuses really on what happened in the eighties and it's really about society changing. Yeah. Um, but to do that, you know, 68 was a big year that I read up on. I can understand what happened. Um, you know, we got to this point in the seventies where, you know, you had the, the oil embargo, yeah. you had stagflation, you had Nixon getting impeached and then Ford freed him, you know, uh, pardoned him. Yeah. And Ford, Ford destroyed the rule of law at that moment, right? right. They set the precedent. Right. And then you have the Carter years and, and the crazy inflation. And people looked at the government and said, like, this thing doesn't work. It's just, yeah. you know, and, and Reagan was there. And I think to an extent, I think Reagan was one of those people who, you know, I, I don't think Reaganomics worked. I think there was a lot of things that went wrong. I do think he believed in what he was pushing. Yeah. I don't and think, I think he was just some rich guy who was like, I want no. to be richer. I think he believed that. Um, he did. And, and he was he was known as the great communicator. He was he, great yeah. at communicating. Yeah, they, he reached people. Yeah. You know, and, and love him or hate him, the man was a great orator. He was very good at it and very effective. And I think you're absolutely right because after – the 60s and 70s, people were tired. Yeah, that's the counter-revolution. So, so yeah. the 60s are the, the counterculture. Yeah, counterculture. And yeah. then 80s is like the counter-revolution. So, I understand the point of view of what happened then. But, you know, Ronald Reagan versus Donald Trump uh, is is a huge difference. Ronald, just, just, no, same. They're not in the same ballpark. You know, Ronald Reagan versus um, W at this point is mm-hmm. a bit different. It's, uh, in 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, there's just been such a weird dynamic shift. And they keep using the word Reagan. But Reagan raised yeah. taxes five times. Yeah. He saved Medicare. I'm was against assault rifles. Was against <laughs> he, assault. He yeah, I know. That was a, he he was for the, the Brady Bill. I mean. Yes. Because, you, know, you know, I mean, it was the man was shot, you know, he, like it was, it wasn't an assault. He rifle, could but he be close to a liberal <laughs> today, you know, yeah. like he, he would, would be, be a socialist. A, yeah. <laughs> he would be called a rhino yeah, uh, exactly. by Bush, by, by, by Trump. A hundred percent. He would have called him a rhino and railed off against him. You know what I mean? On, on Twitter or whatever it is, truth social, 
you know, like we said, it used to be the fringe elements were the small parts. And now the fringe element on the right has just ballooned mm-hmm. into like this, uh, almost like this majority, you, you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, Kevin McCarthy, you know, he needed to have his speaker role. And so he gave the keys over to Marjorie Taylor Greene and to Matt Gates and these folks on the right that are just, I mean, look, I, I try to be as partisan, you know, or nonpartisan as I can, but they're freaking nuts, man. Yeah, there, it's just scary. It's not, it, it's really not a, a party thing for me. I, it's, no. it's an insanity thing. Yeah. You know, when John uh, Bonner, Boner, whatever you want to call Boehner. him. Boehner. Yeah. Boehner, I think it is. It looks like Boner. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, when he left, one of the things he said was that he said this in his book. He wrote a, uh, his memoirs or whatever. Yeah. He said, there's not much you can do with a bunch of people who just want to watch it all burn down. Uh, yeah. And that's what he was talking about, the Tea Party, essentially. They exactly. just want to say no to everything. Uh, and then he went ahead and, and, and lambasted Cruz even further on that one. Yeah. He, was, he was an evil son of a bitch, and he was the, the most miserable son of a bitch he ever met in his yeah. life. And, you know, and, and Cruz was – he rode in on that wave of the, the Tea Party, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember watching videos of people, the Tea Partiers with their the yellow don't tread on me flags. Um, like spitting on politicians as they're walking into the, you know, the Capitol. And it was just like, like, yeah, like there was the beginning of it, you know, that the Tea Party was, you know, was that early element of what we saw now, um, of what we see now, you know, in this fringe element that has taken over. And it took years to marinate, you know, little by little by little, they, they gained access first off into these, these halls, right, of power and into these seats of power and slowly took it over for sure. You know, and if you notice, most of that is in the house, right? So you gerrymander the shit out of the state. Right. And boom, you're in. You know, I mean, the senators, for the most part, obviously, they're elected by the entire state. Um, They walk it a little bit closer. Not all. But, you know, the house is where you can really go wild as far as your your views. You know what I mean? It was designed that way, though, right? Wasn't it? That's the cooling pot was supposed to be the Senate. That's what the the founders said. The problem is when you have like a Mitch McConnell who wouldn't bring things to the floor. Very popular ideas, by the way. Some of them. Yeah. He wouldn't bring them to the floor. Essentially turn the Senate into a chamber where legislation just goes to die. And he part of that was just nuclearizing the, the filibuster. I mean. Nobody did more by doing nothing than Mitch McConnell. He said, he said, I'm going to be the, uh, the, the Grim, Grim Reaper. Reaper. Yeah, the Grim Reaper, right? Of, of every Obama bill, we're going to make it impossible for him to do a thing. And like, that's where it just becomes like, like, damn, man. Like, that's where we're at. Like, yeah. it's just. Yeah. That's where it's different, though, from Reagan. Like, I read a Reagan quote when I was doing all this, and he's like, where others are now saying no and we've stopped the whole mechanism of government from truly working i mean the only thing that really tends to work now is executive order which just can be reversed by an executive order by the next yeah. president reagan's like all right fine i'll take 70 percent of what i want you know mm-hmm. i'll take 70 80 percent if i gotta negotiate yeah. good compromise right yeah and because it wasn't looked at as you know, bending over to the other side, you know what I mean? And now nothing is about, it's, it's all about wins. I yeah, mean, it really, it's, it's a win for me 
I don't care if a win for me is a loss for everybody in the country. Yeah. It's a win for me. I say that a lot. Yeah, I agree. Because I, I think it, it that's where that internal thing you're talking about is really scary. Yeah. Um, because I've seen it where the partisanship is to the point where people want a president to fail because yeah. it's good for their party. And it's and this is common people, too. It's I want Obama to fail. I want Trump the fed they don't say it in those yeah. words but you're talking about like when you think what that really entails it's 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 creating havoc and suffering and yeah it's so un-american you know? yeah it's like and it's so detrimental to yeah. everybody that lives here it's like dude you live here too yeah. like, you know like it's you, you know like the days you know and again that's what we were talking about before the democrats are still living in a time that is decades past and they haven't yes. gotten, you know, with it, you know, I mean, just think about it this way too. Like when Nixon resigned, he resigned because the Republicans went to him and said, we are not only can we not save you, but we're not gonna like you're, you fucked up way too bad and there's nothing we can do about this. And, you know, you look 40, 50 years later and the capital is almost destroyed because that didn't take place. There was nobody right. in that party that could say enough. Like we're done. We can't go here. You know, we, we, we every time I thought that was going <clears> to <throat> happen, like now I just know it's not going to happen. No, you know, it, it's no. got to be voted out and taken out for them to change for that. Yeah. That to change. Um, yeah. I mean, Kevin McCarthy was in Mar-a-Lago. What a week later to a kiss in the ring. You know, he After stood up he on was that. cursing them off on the phone yeah. for, you, you know, while these guys were rioting, storming in and he's scared for his life, you know, they're hiding under desks. Yeah. yeah. You, you know what I mean? Hearing him cursing out Trump and stuff like that. On yeah. The phone. Enough is enough. We can't have this. Blah, blah, blah. And a week later, he's at Mar-a-Lago and he's eating lunch with him and everything turned. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I'm sure in the next few months. Uh, we'll see where that all goes. We'll have we'll have plenty more to talk about. I mean, honestly, it's like we're touching the tip of the iceberg with a lot yeah, of man. stuff. Who the, who the hell knows? Like, yeah, it's, it's a good time if you wanted to have a political podcast. Mm -hmm. Not really totally a political podcast, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> we, te we, we tend to go that way for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like history you can't really have history without the politics part of no it. you have to that's what i'm more like about while i follow this stuff it's like i want the historical perspective of living through it yeah and it's you know it's just such a huge part of the of the whole thing yeah so. i mean it's all intertwined i tell my students all the time i'm like look man if you don't understand if you don't want to understand history it's essentially you know it's like uh you go to a marvel movie and you're sitting down during the post credit scene and you're trying to figure out what the hell happened in the movie. You, you know what I mean? That That's what's – if you are not – you don't want to – that's what studying history is. You can't figure out today yeah. uh, without the script, right? Yeah. You got to look back at the script and you got to figure out what is taking place today. You know, you're not going to be able to sit down in the last 10 minutes of a movie and know exactly what the hell just happened. And you'll never know what's happening. You'll never yeah. understand what is taking place in this movie if you're not, if you didn't see the rest of it. Yeah. No, that's essentially what it is. And for me, that's part of the fun is like – putting the pieces together oh yeah you know like like i was saying i doing that podcast on uh student loans and the history of it but you know i'm looking at a certain point in america you know i'm looking at 
how society changed. And one of the offshoots of that is, you know, creating a debt crisis and and stuff like that. So it's, it's, for me, it's a lot of fun to watch all these pieces come together because it's, Mm -hmm. that's all it is. It's the connective tissue and you can go back to the MCU with that. Right. I mean, yes. If you want to talk about like when they got to Thanos, finally, it's like all that connective tissue brought you to that moment. Then you could step back and see and you're like, Oh, that's where they were going. Yeah. And that's the beauty about studying history. And, and history is not linear either. And that's the issue. No, it's like, not. it's all a web. It's a, it's a giant web that branches off into so many different directions. And, you know, that's the, to me, the fun part is trying to be, like you said, piecing it together and figuring out what took place, whose perspectives, you know, or, or, or the perspectives for, or, or, you know what I mean? From the people that, w- that were there and how those perspectives are still, influencing us today yeah. and, and, and all that, you know, it's, it, there's just, to me, it's, it's, I love the question of how the hell did we get here? Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, the only way to do it is just to look back at history and try to put it together. Yeah. It's like that meme, uh, Charlie day from, uh, from, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia where he's standing in front of the board. It's got all the stuff. Yes. You know, it's, it's, no, that's what it is. Yeah. So what you got coming up on your podcast? So we've got um on the twenty first, Mr. Beat. Uh oh, are, so like dude. Unbelievable. I'm I'm psyched about it. Um How did you get him. You just so, reached out to him? Yeah, actually he started following I followed him and he started following me a couple of years ago. And um and so yeah, I DM'd him on Twitter and uh and I knew he because he's all over social media. Yeah. <clears throat> so I knew he had a podcast. And so I was just like, hey. You know, I'm a teacher too. I'm a social studies teacher. I'm looking to start my own podcast. Do you have any recommendations on editing equipment or mics or anything like that? And so the mic that I use now, the Blue Snowball, actually got recommended to me by Mr. B. Oh, really? Right. Like, yeah, he was like, check out the Blue Snowball. And I was like, all right, cool. And now everybody on my podcast, we all have the same one. Um, and so I just reached out to him and I was like, yo. And I sent him my first couple of episodes and he was all, he was very supportive. And then uh, I was just like, hey, you want to come on? And he was like, sure. And so we went back and forth and we talked about it and he was supposed to be on last week, but I was in New York visiting family. And then, uh, so we settled on the 21st. So next Friday he'll be joining us. We're going to do, uh, the Philippine American war. I let him choose the topic. He's like, yeah, it's my next video. So I'm already researching it. I was like, perfect. So that worked out good. And then, um, there's actually another, Big name in the social studies community known as uh, Hip Hughes. So oh, any, I know Hip Hughes too. Yeah, he's joining me as well. I just talked to him oh, the other cool. day, and so so I he and I started following each other a couple of years back, and so I was like, hey, I, you know, I throw it said, Yeah, I got Mister Beat coming on. I was like, I wanted to know if you were interested, and he was like, Yeah, let's do it. Tell Matt I said hi, and I was like, Oh my god, I'm like we're in the inner circle. <laughs> so that's the next guy I got to get is a uh, Heimler's history. He's another guy. So he's he's. Oh, yeah, Steve Heimler is really, really good. I checked him out on Twitter. He doesn't seem very active, but I'm going to see if I if I if I tell him I got Mr. Beat and, and Hip Hughes. Yeah, I, I on was the show. I always thought about reaching out to Mr. Beat, but I'm like, he's, I mean, never going to look at me. It worked. I yeah. don't know, man. Dude's got like 761,000 followers yeah. on YouTube. Like, I know it's so funny because I crazy. remember. I mean, I followed him early. Mm. I used to watch his. Uh, his presidential elections. I mean, I watched like from the beginning 
He's yeah. it was like 10, yes. 12 minutes yes. things on every president. I remember getting yep. to the end and being all excited. And then I was like, oh, does he do other stuff? And now he's like all over. He did a really good one on New Jersey, by the way. Like, why do people hate New Jersey? Did he really? Oh, it's awesome. Like, <laughs> I got to check that one out. Yeah. And I was like, he's I hate New Jersey too. So, you know, I call, I call it dirty Jersey. I know that you're, you're just, uh, I'm from Long Island though. So, I, you know, we got to. We got it. He made a couple of good points. He was talking about how we were always right next to a couple of huge media markets, which would be like Philadelphia and New York. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. They're not very fond of us. And he goes, Nope. Like that was part of it. I was like, you know, that's a good point. Like they're always making fun of us on TV. So fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, my brother's in Jersey, though. Jersey's, look, man. We're a weird place. We're. Yes. You know what it is? Like, we're a very strange microcosm of America. Yeah. You know, like, I live basically right next to the city. Mm. It's funny. I'm like, I'm like the last blue collar town. And then all around me is just like, yeah, celebrities. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, I pay fucking for it, but. Dude, the um, taxes, man. Taxes. You're crazy. We were talking about this. Like, I was talking to, I work with a guy who's out in California, you know, like I work with a lot of people all over and it's like yeah. Zooms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny because people start complaining about their taxes and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, my property is no like idea. 75 by 75. I pay almost like 13,000 a year. It's like yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was Absolutely. like, by the time I pay my house off, it'll be like $26,000 a year. <laughs> I'll be just renting essentially yeah, I, to live here. I tell my brother that all the time because my brother's in Hamilton. So he's right on the border mm. of uh, Jersey and Pennsylvania. And uh, even like my, you know, we were, he was like, dude, you got to come up here. I'm like, dude, I pay $1,100 a year in, in property tax. I got an acre. I said, dude, yeah. he was like, wow, I, I pay that a month. Actually, I like, yeah, yeah. Actually, we always say North Carolina and even South Carolina. It's like, mm-hmm. so I'm in Bergen County, which is yeah, you know, yeah. North. So we're always like, that's becoming like new Bergen County. You know, yeah. So many people move out of here and just go down that way because it's like, so much cheaper, but we also pay for it though. I mean, not fit like literally, but I mean, like your schools are yeah, we funded. Have, we have very, very good schools. Yes, like, we don't. And so I think when we you graduate pay- the most scientists and the most engineers, yeah. there's some, there's a lot of things. I know that was a problem in California because they have that weird proposition where their property tax is only like a percentage. Really? Yeah. Um, so I, I actually knew people who came from like California here and I'm like, why would you do that? Yeah, right. Um, yeah. They're like, well, the schools, you know, I need it for my kid. That's school system. And that's the thing. So, I mean, I see, I witness it firsthand. Like I said, I grew up on Long Island. That property taxes up there are fucking insane too, you know, and, and but everything was paid for in schools. <clears throat> I mean, I, I just remember everything being really smooth, paid for, whatever you needed was there. And the schools down here, man, they're not. They're just completely underfunded. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, especially in North Carolina, we joke all the time. We don't start educating our kids until they get to college because we got a lot of really good colleges out here. But the public system in North Carolina sucks. It's awful. You yeah. know? Yeah. That's, that's the, so, the one thing we definitely, I mean, we do, there's some good stuff with the services here. I mean, you are getting, you are getting something out of it. You know, you're not getting nothing, but it's still like, I mean, it's ridiculous. Just, yeah. It's bad. It yeah. really, like, we were just up in New York about a week ago. Uh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I think that the furthest north my wife and I are willing to go is Delaware. Yeah. Um, 
we've talked about that, but yeah. Uh, so my my parents lived in Delaware. That was so they were in uh, Lewis, which is actually well, because Delaware is technically like the first state, right? They were the first one to ratify. Yes. Yeah, and I think Lewis was the first town in the first state. Like that's what. The wow. So I guess they were the first like incorporated town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's right next to under the new constitution. Yeah, yeah. So that was right that's pretty cool. next to Rehoboth Beach and mm-hmm. Dewey Beach, and then forty-five minutes from Ocean City, Maryland. And okay. When my parents moved out there, it was just a lot of land, and mm-hmm. nobody really knew about it. It was three hundred dollars a year for their property tax. My parents wow. bought their house for like you know one hundred fifty thousand. I used to look with my wife, and I'm like. We had jobs that, like you could you could build a house for like one yeah. like a brand new one fifty one seventy five but now they're going for like four or five like they're just building everywhere there yeah oh. same they the the building down here is pretty crazy too yeah, you know and, and so they're all moving out of like these areas like New York I mean California's got the issue too like they have like a mass exodus there too right they go to yeah. California Arizona and all those places so. Yeah. All right, well, why don't you uh, plug yourself? I know I plugged you a couple times, but you know it's always good to get it from the source. Sure. Absolutely, man. Yeah, if you guys ever uh, looking for weird history, strange tales, odd occurrences, things like that, please look us up at uh, Story of Podcast wherever you are or wherever you get your podcast from. Um, you can uh, find us on Twitter at Podcast Story of, and we just got an Instagram account as well. Oh, so Instagram, same thing. Yeah, at, uh, at Podcast Story of. We got a revolving door of hosts. Uh, we 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 choose a topic each week, research it. To the best of our ability, we are not experts, but then we uh, we research it independently. We come back to the table. We discuss what we found to tell everybody else the story of. We got a couple of uh, awesome episodes coming up on sports scandals, time travel, Long Island serial killer, declassified government documents, um, giants, the existence of giants. We got an episode on that one coming up. Um yeah, man. And, uh, and Jay, uh, I cordially invite you to please, uh, join us as a guest host. We yeah. would absolutely love to have you on. You let me know what date that you're available. Yeah. And, uh, generally we do, uh, guests choice. So, uh, guests choose a topic and, and, you know, that's, uh, we have a lot of fun. It's interesting. We, we, um, we get out there and, 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 you know, we talk about it. We try to be as obviously as accurate as possible and, and have some laughs because, uh, yeah, it's the world is just, it's too damn serious yeah. sometimes. So we get out there. Yeah, and I, hear I hear you. Yeah, oh. no, I'll take that up. I'll have to. I'll have to try to find uh, get my weird on. I'll find something. Yeah, man. absolutely. You know, and, and that's the beauty about the show. The story of it could be anything. Yeah, you know, and and so we we've done. We were going to do a whole series on serial killers itself, and then we realized it got really dark really <laughs> quick. Yeah, and we were like, "No, nah, man, we like to laugh. Like this is yeah. not all right." So, so we stayed with the Long Island serial killer because everybody on the show is from Long Island. So, um, that will be one of the next ones that's being uh, released. So, we're psyched. You know, we're yeah, a lot of fun. We're on middle of, middle to the end of season two, so um, we're we're, we're psyched. We got about. 30 episodes or so up there. So if you guys got time, you know, you want, you want to check out some weird shit, check us out. Definitely check it out. Like I said, you guys are hitting your stride. I've always been a fan. So I appreciate um, it, man. Listen to you all the time, my friend. I appreciate that. So I'm come back on, man. We'll, yeah. we'll have to spit about something different. We'll do, uh, we'll do like uh, maybe ghosts or something. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have a good time. Yeah. 100%. Sounds good. All right, man. Thanks again. All right, brother. Thanks to everyone who took some time out of their day today to listen. 
The With Jayberg Show is available wherever you find your favorite podcast or go directly to jaybergshow.podbean.com and subscribe to get the latest episodes. I know it may not always be a straight line, but I hope we'll see you again to take the journey and escape a while for thoughtful excursions into the world of ideas across politics, technology, pop culture, and all realms of civic life. See you soon.